Let's prepare our hearts for the reading of God's word. This morning, we are going to read from Philippians 1, verses 12 through 26. I really, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. 17, thank you. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Reading of God's word. All right. We are second week of a study of the book of Philippians. Last week, we looked at how the Philippian church got started and the circumstances by which God's Spirit directed Paul, even though he wasn't intending to go to Philippi. This is how he ended up there. And by God closing doors and opening doors, he ended up in this town that turns out to be a very significant town in the Roman Empire. But Paul was just directed there, and we talked about how our circumstances of life, sometimes we need to be open to what God is pointing. It wasn't our plan, but God's plan. And so now we're looking at this letter that Paul's written back to the church because they sent a messenger, Epaphroditus, a guy from the church of Philippi, brought Paul a gift because they were distressed. They heard he was in prison, either in Rome or another city. But he, they said, we're, you know, you're like the founder of our church. We're really troubled that you're in prison. And so they send Epaphroditus with a gift. And also, uh, it looks like Epaphroditus was supposed to stay and kind of be a helper to Paul uh, in prison. And so uh, Paul was just so overjoyed. He's so happy that this church hasn't forgotten him and is sending this gift that we talked last week. This is like a thank you note. And it's also like a missionary update letter. And so what we're going to read today 
uh, if you've got your Bible, open to verse 12. He begins this section saying, I want you to know, brothers. That phrase, I want you to know, would have been like when you get a Christmas card now, and you know, you look, most people send a picture of their family and whatever, but then I'm always looking for the update, right? I always like it when people say, this is what's happened for the year. And so there's typically a opening, you know, this is how our 2024 is looked. So you know what's coming after that. This phrase is kind of like that. When you say, this is what I want you to know, people would have said in, in letters of that time, it's like the update. This is the circumstances in which you find me. So someone writing from the battlefield or someone writing would have used that phrase. This, this is what I want you to know. And so what we find, what's really interesting, is that rather than Paul whining about his circumstances where at least by our reckoning, I don't know what the law exactly of Rome was, if he was justly or unjustly imprisoned, but he was imprisoned for speaking the gospel. They wouldn't have had uh, freedom of speech as we would have understood it, but as a Roman citizen, it seemed unjust, and we find from other passages that this was not probably something was kind of a authoritarian move to silence somebody they weren't quite sure what to do with. So rather than Paul writing and saying, oh, well, let me tell you, update for the year, thrown in prison, you know, this is terrible circumstances, food's not great, can't, you know, don't know if I'm going to get out, probably facing execution, how was your year, right? We got a, we got, we got a, we've gotten some crazy, uh, update letters, Christmas letters. We've got a couple from people kind of like, yeah, it's been a terrible year and, you know, life is awful. And, you know, it's, Paul's writing though indicates who he is and what he stands for. His writing says, hey, here's how I see this. Let's look at what he writes on his update letter. I want you to know, brothers, verse 12, Philippians 1, what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Wow. All right. We we could go on. I'm already convicted. Like, I, I want you to get in your mind, in a couple minutes I'll come back to this, what's the circumstance that you find in your life right now that's the most difficult, the most confining, the most restraining troubling, challenging thing in your life right now. Got a couple minutes while you're listening to to think of it. Maybe some of you already popped into your head, but I just keep that in mind. What's happened to me is really served to advance the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard. So the Romans who were guarding him now knew why Paul was there. He had the chance to, to tell him or they had heard about it. And to all the rest, so I guess the other prisoners that were there as well, that my imprisonment is for Christ. Most of the brothers, so that would be others in the church who weren't in prison, but were either in wherever he was in the local body, or those who heard about this, it says in verse 14, they've become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So first thing, he gets is, look, my circumstances are advancing the gospel in ways that I wasn't planning. Second, other people who are observing this now are doing better in the Lord or bolder in the Lord. I tell you, is that not true? I I tell you, when I hear about believers, our circumstances, I mean, we can sometimes feel like our circumstances impinge on us and impinge on our Christianity 
It's pretty minor when you look at countries around the world where speaking the gospel is you know, really has consequences. And when I hear about people who are bold in their faith and unshaken by that, do you not get encouraged by people who take that? And this is what Paul saw. It's one thing to look at it from outside, but to be the one and to say, look, others are taking uh, taking root. The gospel's taking root in them, and they're bolder because I'm not ashamed of the gospel in my circumstances. He says, it doesn't matter. Even if there are people who are looking at me and who I am and are saying, well, look, now that Paul, maybe they didn't find Paul so such a great person or his doctrine or whatever, and they said, well, now that he's in prison, our church will grow bigger or whatever the circumstances. Well, I, says, I don't care. If they're talking about Jesus, it's a win. So he wasn't worried about winning the game for Paul. It was about God's kingdom. And then he finally says, um, oh, in verse 16, he says, those who do it out of love, some who just are bold in their faith out of love, know that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. Last thing I want you to see, rather than I was put here because of crummy Roman law, he says the circumstances of life put me here so that I could, because he was articulate in his faith, I could defend the gospel right in this place. All right, take away for us. That's great. Paul, you're, you're amazing, right? You're, you're really... All right, here we are. What's the circumstance of your life that you find most difficult, most confining, most challenging, most troubling? Paul's awaiting, and we learn in this letter that he might be executed for these crimes. Crimes, I put in quote. Maybe not, but he didn't know. Clearly, he doesn't know. So whatever we're facing may not be at that level, but I want you to just, I want you to think. How could, are your circumstance, the most challenging, difficult circumstance, is it being used for God's glory? And if not, how could it be? What, what in my attitude, your attitude could change so that God could use something that's really difficult to encourage other believers? At minimum, that we, rather than complaining, Paul will say later in this book, do all things without grumbling or complaining, but that we could say, God, would you please use this that I'm finding so difficult to encourage someone else? Because you're not the only one in whatever circumstance you're in, whatever relationship issues, whatever financial issues, whatever job issues, whatever raising your kid issues, whatever it is, you aren't the, you ain't alone, baby. You're not the only one. And so, rather than finding our commonality in, oh, isn't it awful, is, hey, would, would, you, would you pray for me? Would, would, let's, let's see how God could do something in this. Paul's about to go into something that, if you know anything about the Bible, is one of the more famous passages. And we're going to see here in the next few verses how he's going to wrestle with, should I live or should I die? Which is better? That's, I mean, that's a whole other attitude that's, you know, like, wow, get your head around that. But I want us to see how these two things connect in terms of Paul looking at his circumstances differently. 
and the challenge to us to look at our circumstances differently. Let's read on with me in uh, verse 19. He says, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Now, when I read that, I think deliverance of one thing. I'm out of jail. I'm free. I'm not constrained by that. But he goes on from there to sort of say, because he was facing possible execution, and he doesn't go on and say, so I know I'm not going to be executed. He, he wrestles. You can hear this interior dialogue. He says, as it is my eager expectation and hope, what, to be released? No, that I won't be at all ashamed, that I'll be full of courage. Now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body. We're going to come back to that phrase in a minute. Whether by life or in death. Let me just say this real briefly. Fear of death is something I think humans face, we wrestle with or whatever. But if we get our head around the fact that death is not in Christ, death is not something to be feared. Paul, the fear of death was behind him. He had seen Jesus. He knew the reality of the resurrection. And it changed the game for him in terms of any circumstance. But he says, for to me, verse 21, to live is Christ And to die is gain. For if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. So if I'm released, I'll keep doing what I'm doing. Not stopping. Not going to not go and plant churches and tell people what I've seen. That's fruitful labor for me. But then he says, I'm, uh, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Frankly, he wasn't going to choose. The Romans probably were. But I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. We can read that a little bit as Paul's like, I think in our context, well, Paul's super depressed and just wants to die. Not at all. Paul is excited about life, even in prison. He is ready for the day. He's ready to see what God's going to do. But because his life was so wrapped up in who Jesus was, His great longing was to be in the presence of God. He says, I'm hard-pressed. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. That's far better. But to remain in the flesh, to remain in my body, is more necessary on your account, to this church he's writing. Convinced of this, he says, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So it looks like he comes out of this kind of inner debate with, look, I I think I'm going to be released. He doesn't say, I think. I know I'm going to be released. Why does he even go through this? Hey, if I live, if I die, I don't know this for a fact, So, but I'm going to suggest to you, I I think he's letting this church see his inner life a little bit. He's letting them watch his wrestling with how he processes this. And... Is it not incredible? To me, it's incredibly encouraging to see someone in a difficult situation to say, look, whether I live or if I die, they're both wins. We don't see, I don't usually see life like that. To die is a loss. To live is, is maybe a win. But he saw, look, to live is Christ. To die is gain. Win, win. Let me just one takeaway from this, and this is not what, Paul was looking at, but I think 
his, if I'm right, and he was going through this writing of this letter, processing, letting them see how he arrived at a godly decision. I think for us, in, in your circumstances of life as an employer or as an employee or as a parent, we, you know, when Nancy and I are raising our kids, we, one of our commitments was to try to help our kids see us process everything in light of our faith. And so that meant uh, apologizing to our kids when we sinned and repenting in front of our kids, being honest with them when we were struggling, when we were depressed. You know, sometimes we shield our kids and there's, a, there's an appropriate age and time to shield them. But if we always shield them and you never resolve conflict in front of your kids, then how are they ever going to know how conflict is is happens and, and we end up with models. If you're at work and your situation uh, with your uh, em- employer employees are terrible and you never allow your employees or your employer to see your process, I think sometimes we bottle it up. Again, there's appropriate ways and inappropriate ways to do this, but I think Paul having his faith pressed to be able to show people that he cared about See, this is the model often we don't see. We don't see our leaders in, in religious stuff, in churches, or in politics. Process stuff that we, allow, we, we see what kind of character they have. We think that Christian leaders don't struggle with sin. Maybe they struggle with appropriate sins, the good sins. But certainly we don't want to have any, you know, buddy who preaches confess that they do sins that are, you know, not the good sins, but the bad sins. What would it be like if a political leader stood up and said, you know, look, I'm having horrible thoughts about people on the other side of the aisle, political aisle, and would y'all, you know, what, would y'all pray for me? Because I, I don't want to see them as enemies. I want to, I want to work together. My God, we'd all fall down. Like if someone opened up their interior life to say, I'd like to be a better person in this. I'd like to have some humility in this situation. If your boss came to you and said, look, I'm really struggling with this. Would you, you know, it would just blow us away, right? Because we don't see that kind of openness. And I just, anyway, get off my soapbox because I'm not even positive like what Paul's looking at, but I think it's possible that this is why he allows us to see this wrestling when he comes out with, look, I'm convinced that I'm going to remain. I'm going to be out of here. I'm going to keep doing what I'm called to do. And he says, at the end of the day, all this is going to cause glory in Jesus Christ, verse 26, because of my coming to you again. All right, two, two other things, and then we're going to close, two just quick points. That phrase, to live is Christ, to die is gain, all right? That's pithy, it's quotable, it's great. Let's just focus on the first four words, to live is Christ, just steep in that. Just sit with that for a moment. To live is Christ. If you are alive, and I assume everyone listening to this right now is in that category, you're alive, you live in something. Something is your default position. It's what you go back to at the end of the day. And for some, it's, you know, what I, what you wrote out, to live is, um, anxiety. To live is fear. To live is, um, pain. I get that. There's, 
struggles with that. And you can fill in whatever. To, to live is. Paul says for the Christian, the change factor is to live is Christ. To live in Him. Um, my daughter went and visited an old high school friend uh, last week, and she was actually someone who, uh, not raised in faith, her family wasn't in faith, and many, many, many years ago she came to Living Hope before we were in this building, and came and, and, and expressed faith at that time, right before she went off to college. Um, and she uh, had some ups and downs in college, but we had encouraged her to find a Christian fellowship, which at her college she did. Crucial, by the way, if you're in college, have a Christian fellowship. And my daughter lost touch you know, with her over the years, but the gospel seed that had happened in this church 14, 15 years ago, something like that, had rooted with the college fellowship that she was in and through the ups and downs. She's still the only Christian in her family. She's gotten married. She has kids. Her life is in Christ. My daughter said it was amazing, the connection, because my daughter, the most important thing in her life is Christ. And so their connection and the way her life had been built around her faith just was so encouraging because as I don't know about your friends when I look back on my friends um, not all of them are walking with the Lord and my daughter looks back and sees a few who are in Christ for us Christ has to be the center the everything the pearl of great price for which you would sell everything and if it's not if when the default happens and what you'd really rather do more than anything else in the world is this and Christ is no part of it you will find not the strength that to live as Christ and to die is gain but to live as this other thing and I'm so afraid to die and I'm so afraid of everything and I'm so doubtful and life will spin out of control for Paul even though his circumstances were terrible by our measure his life was rooted in a place that mattered. Finally, I just, as we look at this, the passion that Paul had, I want us to go back to that phrase where he says, I pray that Christ will always be honored in my body. The word soma there, body, is simply the physical body it's not the flesh like that's sark that's the, the the part of us that you know maybe worldly or how we process soma is our physical body and paul was probably in difficult circumstances i'm guessing he was in pain there's indication you know in other places in scripture that paul suffered with whether it was eyesight or some thorn in the flesh or other things going on in his body that it was withering away But at the end of the day, I I don't know about you, but bodies as a rule go downhill after a while. And for some of us, it happens earlier than others. And the evidence of it is earlier than others. But for Christ to be honored in our physical body is a biblical principle. It doesn't mean that we become uh, obsessed with with bodily health to the point it's unhealthy. But Christ, uh, Paul wanted to make sure that Christ was honored in his body. That whatever was happening to him in that prison and in that jail, and even if it was um, death, 
that to the very last breath that he had, every breath, everything he saw, everything he heard, everything he said, that his physical body was honoring Jesus. Let's just read that one more time together. It's my eager, this is verse 20, it's my eager expectation and hope that I won't be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. Courage. Be courageous. You may not like the battles that you're in. doesn't matter. The battles are here. You can wish them away all you want. The battle for your mind, the battle for your tongue, the battle for your attitude, the battle for your faith, the battle for your children, the battle that our culture swirls around, the battle that the devil puts around, the battle of everything. It's here. Take courage. Take courage by looking at Paul. Take courage at looking at other believers who are in difficult circumstances, who are walking in their faith in ways that are amazing. And to say, look, our life is a breath. It's short. There may be times that are sweet and times that aren't. But Paul said, look, to die is gain because he knew one day his eyes would close and the next time they opened, he would see Jesus. There's indication in this that there wasn't a gap time, there wasn't a, a, a long thing, that it would be, um, you know, the, what, what he would see. Whether it is or not, we don't know how that process works from death to life. But what we know is it'll be, it's very quick and short, this life. And the only thing that will ultimately matter is to live in Christ. And if death really is gain, then you have nothing to fear. So take courage. courage you know, I, I know it's it's a natural human reaction because you know I haven't been there. I haven't been to the other side of life yet. But don't waste a second. Don't waste an hour. Don't waste a day not honoring Jesus with your body and in your circumstances and asking how He can turn what you find most constraining and most difficult for His glory because ultimately you'll present that to the Lord when your eyes open and you see Him face to face, you will present that to God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank You that You're real and that You have given us Your Word to give us new perspective. Lord, I thank You for Paul and his faithful walking out even in difficulty. He had a tough life. When we read about all that he went through, Lord, my my challenges are nothing. And Lord, so much of it was against his body. Lord, it was beatings and stonings and shipwrecks and on and on. And his concern was that he would have courage not to dishonor you in his body as well as his spirit. Lord, help us share in that desire so that we would be able to to turn at the end and offer You, Lord, the gifts that You first gave to us and we can turn back and say, Lord, it was all about You. We love You, Jesus, and we want our lives to matter. So give us the attitude and the courage to make it so. 
Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.